Welcome to the Weekly Workplace, where professionals come to find insights and inspiration for success. Hosted by the Missouri Training Institute, this is the Weekly Workplace. Welcome to the Weekly Workplace, where professionals come to find insights and inspiration for success. With you today, Missouri Training Institute, Dewey Thompson, Ray Lyon, and myself, Brianna Lehrer. Uh, we're here today to talk about performance management. <laughs> big term, right? Yes. It's a big term that I don't think a lot of people quite get. <laughs> no, no. So, so define it for us. What is this? When we talk about performance management, what is it? Well, you know, as a leader, it's about managing the performance of your employees, making sure that things are getting done. Um, it's about um, helping them get better. It's about, um, you know, helping to identify uh, maybe some developmental needs that they may have that, that can actually improve their performance. Um, you know, unfortunately, I think when people hear the term performance management, they, what usually pops to people's minds is the formal performance appraisal process mm -hmm. that people have to encounter or do, you know, you know, once a year, maybe some, pl some places I know do it twice a year, um, those kinds of things. Um, but that's what most people think about. And to me, that's the very formal approach. But, you know, I will also say that it, to me, it feels like you're doing your taxes. You know, we're getting ready to do ours, mm -hmm. um, uh, our formal performance appraisals. And the emphasis is on completing the forms. The emphasis is on getting it done by a certain date. Um, and so, you know, it, it's kind of like your taxes come around every, you know, every April. <laughs> you got to make sure those forms are completed and, and submitted. But that's the formal side of it. And what I'm going to suggest is that there's also an informal process of performance management. And we call this coaching. Mm -hmm. This is your day-to-day -day responsibilities of working with employees um, observing them, offering them some meaningful feedback, um, and helping them improve. And I'll say this, I think that you'll get so much further along with your informal processes of performance management. And, and I guess if you're doing the informal stuff day to day, then the formal performance appraisal becomes a lot more pleasurable to write <laughs> at the end of the year. I agree. I think performance management, when you hear those words, I just like, oh, I just shrink and just this wet blanket, just <laughs> And we can dress it up, however. Um, we've tried lots of different words and terms to disguise it over the years. Um, you're right. It just, it just sounds like an obligation. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, if I had to really, really put a definition around it, I think at its core, it's about communication. It's about um, sitting down with somebody and having some meaningful conversations and dialogue about what it is they're supposed to be doing because they ne they need to know that right. We can't. It's hard to it's hard to assess somebody's performance if they don't know what the what the goal is. So it's about understanding, you know, clarifying those expectations and then offering them meaningful feedback about how well they're meeting those. And but to me, at its core, it's about the communication between two people. And that communication shouldn't take place once or twice a year. I think that's where my frustration comes right. in. When I heard these words, I, I didn't not only feel that, I had that, because I have had experiences in past careers where 
this only happened at those times. And it was so frustrating as an employee because I, I do value, you know, insights and feedback from other people. And I was craving it. You know, how am I doing? And I think I asked that question a lot more now than I ever did before because it didn't feel like I could ask it before. People didn't have the time to talk to me. And so I, I appreciate that approach, you know, that this is a conversation, this is communication, and it needs to happen frequently and consistently. Well, I'll step out on a limb, honestly, and say it's not just the time they don't have. I think that's an excuse. I think it's people don't know how to do it well. I would agree. Um, and even if they're giving you feedback, it's not effective. I would agree. That people just don't know how to do it well. And, you know, I'm, I can give you feedback, but is it worth anything? Are you able to change your behaviors as a result of my feedback? And that, And that's where it lacks. So not only are we not doing it often enough, but when we're doing it, it's not even good. <laughs> good point. It, it takes an element of knowing your people. And, and maybe that's where my, my frustration would come in with it was I knew that those that were in charge of doing the, this evaluation process on me once every year hadn't spent any time with me throughout the year understanding who I am as a person, what my work ethic is like, how much, how much passion I have about what I'm doing every day, what excites me, what doesn't. And I think that those conversations are crucial. I mean, how are we basing anything off of it if we don't know our people? Oh, that's, that's absolutely correct. Um, and I think that's just a lazy way out of it, right? People are uh, saying, well, I got the form completed. You know, again, the emphasis is on the form. It's not on that meaningful conversations that we have with individuals. So as we think about this and, and um, we start kind of making a plan, I guess, if you are a new leader that might be listening out here, we want to give you some tips. Like, how do you start this process? All right. What are some, maybe some, some steps that you'd go through for this idea of performance management? Well, I think I, I just mentioned this. The, the, to me, the first step is about making sure that we have a very clear and mutual understanding of what an employee's job is all about. What are their, what are your expectations of that employee? What are their specific work uh, goals that they need to accomplish? And, and it's one thing to know what a goal is, but it's also another thing to know how well that goal needs to be completed. You know, I, I can describe a goal to somebody, but if they're only getting 50% of it done, is that really what the standard is? So it's more than just describing the goals, it's also describing, you know, the standards of those goals. How well do those goals need to be met? Um, I think that's, that's where it starts. From there, I also think then it's about the leader doing their job um, about collecting performance data. And that may include actual numbers or some kind of quantitative or and even qualitative type of data. But it's also about, I think, a leader observing their employees. And, you know, here's where we get into some issues, I think, between the idea of what is the differences between performance and behavior. Because you give me a goal, I can meet that goal, okay? But I can do it with a frown on my face, with my feet stomping on the ground, kicking and screaming the whole way. Or I can achieve that goal with a smile on my face and a willingness in my heart. So there's differences between what performance is. Are you meeting the actual goals, meeting the numbers, 
versus the behavior, how you're doing that. Now, as leaders, I think it's important that you comment on both. I think it's important that you address both because goals do need to be met, but how they are met is sometimes just as important as the goal itself. So understanding the difference between what performance is and what behavior is, is, is an important piece of this because, again, people, I don't think leaders do this well. They just said, you didn't meet the goal, okay? And so people get really frustrated even though that they try to do it with a smile on their face that put forth a lot of effort and that doesn't get mentioned, right? Or it goes the opposite way where, you know, they're, they're, they're meeting their performance and so this person gets a rave review, but they're doing it with a really nasty approach with their coworkers mm. or, um, you know, so we have to comment on both what needs to be done, but also how it needs to be done, I think is important. And then the other thing that I would probably suggest as we kind of think about this idea between performance and behavior is understanding what a poor work habit is. Okay. I think that's also really critical. For example, you all have been in my office and you know just how disorganized I really am. You, uh, you, you come in my office and you see stacks and stacks and stacks of different paperwork um, all over my desk and those kinds of things. So at first sight, somebody would say that I am not really organized. That doesn't necessarily mean, though, that I'm not achieving my goals. Some people will say that, well, because you're disorganized, you need to improve on that. You need to get more organized. Well, I can be very disorganized and that's a poor work habit. But just because I have that poor work habit doesn't necessarily mean that I'm a poor performer. It just means I, I have a poor work habit. Now, does poor work habits lead to poor performance? They can, but not necessarily. You know, for example, another one is that somebody's late all the time. You know, that would be a poor work habit. But I know a lot of people who have been late a lot, but they still get results. They still are able to achieve the results that they want to achieve. Um, so we have to be careful uh, uh, about these because let's face it, we all have poor work habits and can they lead to poor performance? Absolutely. I'm not saying that they don't, but they don't, that doesn't necessarily happen all the time. In my mind, as I'm hearing all of this, I'm thinking to myself, you know, measure, kind of like measure what's important. Mm -hmm. um, because as I hear you mentioning, like the late situation. So say the opposite is true, right? So say we go through and we're like, okay, we put on there now that you need to work on your tardiness um, because this is something I'm seeing that's on your evaluation. And then you get in there and your employee now is on time every day, but now you're seeing almost zero enthusiasm about what they're doing because there's maybe this sense of frustration in that maybe there's an early morning routine that's now being affected that, you know, has, has right. really now kind of messed up their sense of passion for what they're doing. Right. So now you're seeing almost the opposite of what you really wanted in the first place. Exactly. You wanted the performance, but you focused exactly. on the tardiness. Exactly. And let me back up just a bit because, you know, we talk about something like tardiness. I think that really depends on what kind of environment you're at, right? So if you have, uh, let's say that we are in a manufacturing plant mm. and you have somebody who's tardy. Well, that's really difficult then to get those products off the line, right? Because you're missing somebody with an important step in doing that. So that becomes a more critical performance indicator, mm. right? But in our environment where us three kind of come together you know, it's not that you have to be here right at eight o'clock every morning because what you're doing doesn't necessarily affecting what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
So you, you know, you gotta be smart about this, you know, in some instances being tardy is an important uh, thing to address in other type of work environments, uh, depending on what the job is, it might not necessarily be. Um, but you know, you as the, as the leader, as the manager kind of get to determine you know, those kinds of things. Right. And I think recognizing with evidence, mm-hmm. what impact those behaviors have is important and not making judgments as to what those behaviors are doing. If the behavior you're looking at, such as all the piles on Dewey's desk, is talked about as all the piles on your desk, that's not a judgment. But you have a poor work ethic, that's my opinion. Mm -hmm. And so that may or may not be something we discuss. If the piles on your desk are leading to missed deadlines, as a result, you know, then we might talk, Right. you know, just thinking about how you discuss the behaviors mm-hmm. um, related to results. And of course, then I always loop back to how did we set this conversation up to begin with, right? Going back to the beginning of what Dewey was talking about. What were the expectations to begin with? Do you know you're supposed to be here at eight o'clock? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I, I have a perfect example of that. When I started a new job, you know, decades ago, and I um, had a territory that was in, I uh, had East Coast clients. And of course, they're East Coast, uh, East Eastern Standard Time, they're an hour ahead of us. And so I was to be at work at seven o'clock Central Time. Because our seven o'clock was their eight o'clock, right? And so four o'clock would roll around and I'd be closing up my desk, you know, and signing off because four o'clock our time was five o'clock Eastern Standard Time. And I left on my first day. Second day showed up at seven, four o'clock, closed up, walked out. Next day showed up at seven o'clock. Four o'clock, I'm closing down. And the woman sitting in the cubicle, um, you know, across from me, she said, do you realize we don't get off till 4.30? And I'm like, no, I had no idea. Mm. You know, and for three days or not, if that was going to be my third day, I thought I got off at four. Nobody had told me. I mean, I passed the boss's desk every single day, you know, and I wondered why all these people are staring at me as I'm tooling out the door. You know, I mean, there were more East Coast people in there. In fact, the woman who said, do you realize we don't get off? Her her state was Florida. You know, I was like, I had no idea. So, you know, then you've got to go back and say, have I even set that expectation up? That's right. That's right. I think oftentimes leaders just assume that people, their employees know what their expectations are. You know, I think about Brianna, when you first came on board um, and that whole onboarding process, you know, Mm -hmm. and. You know, you have to remember that setting an expectation for employees um, is kind of an ongoing process. We we often think that, oh, I, I told you these things, but, you know, have I really told you these things? And have I told them to you enough to where that you really um, have a, a clear, that we have a clear mutual understanding between the two of us? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's that's kind of the important thing. Yeah. Here. And that's where that that coaching happens in that space between either the annual or the semi-annual performance appraisal, mm-hmm. 
right? That's where that coaching, I mean, people need to hear these things over and over and over and over again. And when those behaviors are demonstrated that support that expectation, then that's where you reinforce it, right? When they're demonstrating or maybe they've missed demonstrating it, then you loop back to it and say that that's not what we agreed to. You know, we agreed that these things would be in 24 hours before the deadline was due, right? And then you keep looping back to that that discussed expectation. So once you set the expectation, I think the next step in this whole process, whether it be the formal or the informal approach, is about your observations as the boss, right? You got to collect the data. You have to make sure that you're observing people. You know, I I'd probably don't do this enough, but um, Alan, for example, my our old boss, I always loved it when he came in to observe me during training. I knew what he was doing. He was getting ready to write my performance appraisal. <laughs> so he would come in maybe a week before it was due and you kind of watch me a little bit, but at least he was doing that. I've, I've been to, I've worked for some bosses who, who would never come and observe my behavior. And um, so when they came time to give me my appraisal, um, you know, they really, it was kind of like, you, you have never even seen me in action. So how could you possibly even give me this kind of feedback? Mm-hmm. Right. So I think it's important that you collect that data you know, how much work did they do? What's the quality of their work that they're doing? What were their behaviors and their approaches to work? Uh, and, and really observe all those things. And then once you have that, then I think step three is really about preparing to give feedback, whether it's in a coaching session or whether it's in that formal written appraisal. So you got to get yourself prepared to write those things and then actually sit down and have that conversation with folks. Um, you know, what did the employee do well? What did they struggle with? You know, was there any causes of poor performance um, that you can explore together that might, you know, think about it? So, so if I'm missing deadlines, is it because I'm disorganized or is it because I have a, a misexpectation? You know, maybe I thought, well, I thought it was due the following week. I didn't know it was supposed to be done this way, just like you didn't know it was time to leave, <laughs> you know, at 4.30. So you kind of kind of have to explore those things together. Uh, but then you're looking for, you know, what are your opportunities for improvement? And more importantly, what's your plan to improve? And again, have that conversation with people. Now, recognize I'm saying conversation. This isn't a one-way uh, monologue where I'm, you know, this is what you need to do and this is what you need to do and this is what you need to do. This is about me asking lots of questions so that we're on the same page with one another mm-hmm. um, and so that we can clarify our expectations of each other and develop a plan for improvement. I think one of the worst experiences I had uh, with this performance management was coming in, sitting down, having uh, having this face-to-face with my, my supervisor at that time. And um, he looked at me and he said, well, you saw my my written report. Do you have any questions? <laughs> and that was our conversation. Yep. And I I just sounds I was very baffled familiar. By it, I was absolutely baffled by it. I, I have you know me. I mean, I came into our interview. I interviewed for MTI with a zillion questions, so I was ready. I had some questions, <laughs> you know, and and I made him sit there with me for an hour and probably fifteen minutes to continue to almost force a conversation with this man. It is critical to have conversation takes two people, (laughs) you know, it can't be that one person, whether it's a supervisor or whether it's the employee engaging in the conversation with themselves, because then we're just wasting each other's time. 
Well, I think you bring up another good point. You know, it's through this conversation that as a leader, you check your own assumptions, Mm -hmm. you know, because maybe somebody is having suffering from poor performance and you write them up that, you know, they're not meeting the goals, but maybe it's because uh, there's a barrier that this employee keeps encountering. You know, maybe they can't get their work done because another employee isn't getting the work to them in time. So, you know, by having a conversation about it, that's where you can kind of clarify some of those assumptions and not just jump to a conclusion that this person is a, is a poor performer. And I think it's important to not come, um, this is where we talk about that, that can frequently and consistently uh, having these conversations, not just the once a year, because I've also had kind of the opposite that's happened, uh, where I had another supervisor who uh, brought the laundry list, right, whether good or bad, but uh, brought this laundry list. And I remember leaving that meeting just feeling like I had taken you know, the SATs all over again, because my brain was, it was just too full. So what use was that information? Because now I had too much going on in my head. So there's a a happy medium there. And I think it comes from having those consistent conversations instead of bringing the laundry list. Well, and, and I think this is also another reason why I really encourage people, especially when you're working with the formal appraisal process, is to invite the employee to uh, assess their own performance, you know? Um, so it's not just you assessing their performance as their leader, but you're inviting them to maybe do some reflection on their own, to write up their own um, kind of a, appraisal, if you will. And then that gives you, then as the leader, you know where they're coming from and you know where you're coming from, right? And it's about then trying to, um, again, clarify any misunderstandings in that relationship. Well, you guys know me. I would have loved that evaluation, Brianna. <laughs> and often I'm like, Dewey, just send it to me. Let me read it. I'll, you know, if I have any questions, I'll let you know. He's like, no, we're going to sit out and talk about it. I'm like, ah, fine. But that's that's your style, though. I know. You know and, and I jest. Yeah, yeah. But we talk all the time. Oh, okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So. I will say this. Um, uh, an employee's appraisal, should never come as a surprise to them. Mm. And if it does, that is just a sign, I think, that the manager, the leader has not done their job. You know, if an employee, you know, comes in and is like, this is completely unexpected, that just tells me the leader hasn't done their job. Yeah. Uh, The one I remember was we did self-evaluations. And so I wrote my self-evaluation and uh, sent it in and then received the one that my principal was supposed to write verbatim was my self-evaluation. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> verbatim. Not a single pronoun was changed. Wow. Nothing. It was written in first person. Cut, copy, paste. Yep. Yeah. How meaningful that really is. Yeah. Right? So, so you got your own thoughts I did. Back. Yeah. So I was glowing. <laughs> did you get a raise at your rate? Yeah. No. You know how public school teachers, you know, but I just think it's it's so critical. You know, one of my favorite parts that that we do here now too in all of these conversations, again, not just the once a year conversations, but one of my favorite questions that you always ask is, Ray, I'm looking to you, right? <laughs> For our listeners who can't see me, um, is how can I support you? 
So, you know, as we've had this conversation, we've gone through kind of here's what my, you know, my thoughts are on what I'm seeing, what I've observed from your behavior. And, um, you know, here's the, what you've given me back, you know, as far as how you plan to move forward with it. And then you always end our conversation with how can I support you? What do you need from me? And I think knowing I have that kind of that level of support, I'd almost call that the final step then mm-hmm. to this process, because now I know that as I move forward, if I have any questions about maybe these new expectations have been set for me or maybe these new plans of work that I've created for myself, I can always come back to you. Yeah. And support can be all kinds of things, right? It might be about you might need some extra time to do something, you know, so maybe we adjust your workload or it might be about. Um, a new venture that you might not be so skilled on. So what can we do to provide training or development to upskill those particular things? Or um, it might be about new technology, or it might be just about uh, having somebody uh, sit down and and, uh, listen to what it is that you're talking about, right? Mm -hmm. So all kinds of different support. I think a lot of that support is really based on, you know, that action plan, you know, in terms of moving forward, or improving in a particular area, what specifically will you do? What are those resources? What's the time? What's the training? Uh, or what other kinds of support do, you, do, do people need? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, as we start wrapping up here, I want to ask you all, as we, we consider um, this performance management process overall, are there any other tips or suggestions you would give to our, our listeners? Well, I always consider the formal process the rear view mirror. Mm-hmm. is how I think of it. And, you know, the rear view mirror as compared to the windshield and think of the size of the rear view mirror compared to the size of the windshield. And just be, just be mindful that, you know, looking back, you can't really do anything about that. So make that the smaller portion and really focus on what you're going to take moving forward because that's looking out of the windshield it's, it's meant to motivate, you know, I mean, there's a bit of reflection um, and honesty and that's all the legal schmeagle part of it, but move forward. I guess some, some of the final tips I would offer folks is to be objective about somebody's performance, be specific about it. Don't be subjective. So going in and telling somebody that you're lazy, well, that's not objective. That is very subjective. That is your opinion of somebody where instead what you need to focus on then are the behaviors that lead you to believe that this person is lazy. So for example, they don't show up on time. They miss their deadlines. Those are very, very specific behavioral objectives that you can actually talk about, right? But going into saying somebody, oh, you're just lazy or you have a bad, here's another one I hate is the bad work ethic. You know, we hear that all the time, especially from us older folks. You know, you hear that coming from our mouths quite a bit. Oh, they don't have any, those young whippersnappers don't have any work ethic. Well, no, they have one. It's just maybe a little different than yours, you know? So let's talk about uh, behaviorally, what does that not look like that you're expecting? You know, so, you know, this person is uh, rude to their coworkers or this person is, uh, again, not showing up, they're missing deadlines, they have poor work quality, so their their outputs um, um, aren't meeting the standards. Those are very, very objective uh, that you can talk about, uh, but you really want to avoid any kind of the subjective type of judgments that you might be making about. The other thing I would probably say is that this is a conversation. 
and conversations go two ways. And it's important to listen and it's important to empathize. Um, it's also important though for you to uh, have your opinions known to the employees so that you all have a very clear understanding of where everybody stands, I think, in your performance. And don't forget, I, I like what Ray said about the windshield. You know, this is about moving forward. You know, you can take stock about what you've already done, but then let's let's pivot and let's look at, to the future and to see what we can do differently. Yep. Be yes. candid and honest. Yep. Some great tips. Thank you. Uh, Dewey, thanks for bringing this topic to the table. All of you listeners out there, uh, we say, go be great. Thanks for listening to The Weekly Workplace, hosted by the Missouri Training Institute. Dewey, Ray, and Brianna stand ready to connect with you and meet your training needs. Be sure to check out ways to contact them in the episode description or at mti.missouri.edu. Subscribe to the podcast to get future episodes automatically by tapping subscribe in your podcast player of choice. Hope to catch you on the next episode of The Weekly Workplace. Yes.